Okay, welcome to Power Pivots, the podcast where we explore the stories behind the fundamental career shifts and changes that have made all the difference. I'm your host, I go by Hatu, and today we are joined by Quinn Shelton. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. My guy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm excited to have this discussion with you. Yeah, excited to be here. Always happy to talk about the little bit that I've learned so far and pass it on to others. I like to start the show by talking about PowerPoints. Um, PowerPoints are just a few details, like three words or phrases that help us understand a little bit more about who you are. So Quinn, what would you say your PowerPoints are? Yeah. Um, I'd say the first one is, uh, being sincere, right? So for me, um, I care a lot about the people I connect with both in work and in my personal life. And so I try to bring that sincerity, um, to everything I encounter. And so in the workplace, that means when I connect with people, it's really figuring out how we can do our job the best that we can and how we can achieve our goals, but also in a way that's sustainable for the people we work with and the people in our in our ecosystem. So sincere is number one. Uh, number two, I'd say is ambitious. Um, I like to set aggressive goals and find out ways of hitting them. And so that could be trying to get a promotion, that could be trying to grow our game, that could be trying to expand it in new markets. But I find that in being ambitious and focusing on things that are harder to achieve, I find that I can push myself harder. When you get to that spot, feeling of accomplishment is really something special. Okay. And last one I say is just being curious, right? And so like like that childlike curiosity, just like trying to figure out why things are what they are and learning something new every day, acknowledging the extent of my knowledge is limited and there's always something to learn that everyone has something to teach you. And so kind of keeping that curiosity I found has helped me is, is the market's constantly changing and new games are coming in, new ideas are forming. You have like Web3 gaming, pay to earn, just all kinds of new stuff going on. So keeping that curiosity I found helps me just stay sharp, understand what's what. That's dope. You know, it's so funny. I I always try and predict what kind of words I think people are going to use. And obviously I know you relatively well, and those are not the words that I expected at all whatsoever. <laughs> so those are very good. I mean, now that you've said it, it definitely shows if that's your foundation, how it has helped propel you to where you are right now. That's a, that's definitely awesome. I like to understand a little bit more about your hindsight story, right? Mm-hmm. They say that the story is always told in hindsight and hindsight is twenty twenty. So give us a little bit more about your story. Tell more like how you got to where you are. Yeah. So grew up all over the East Coast, born in Louisiana, spent about 10 years in Georgia, moved from Georgia to Maryland for about a year with our grandparents and lived in New York after that. But really on the professional side, spent a lot of time in finance. So I worked at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York for two years uh, when I was 15, looking at how closely the consumer price index measures inflation. So did that the summer of 2005. You knew this at 15. Yeah, 15. Yes, sir. I didn't even know what CPL was. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either. I didn't even tell Vince or shit. Yeah. But it was dope. I learned a lot. Worked with a guy named Bart Hoban as my first boss. Really invested a lot in me. He was an economist at the New York Fed. Did that for two summers. The second summer there, I ended up getting a full-time offer to come back to the Fed and work at the Fed all through college and after college. And in turn, they would give me a full college scholarship. But at that point, I'd done it for two summers, but being a 16-year-old, I wasn't necessarily willing to commit to being a Fed economist for the next 10-plus years. And so leveraged that offer from the Fed to get into J.P. Morgan, to J.P. Morgan for a number of summers in high school and college, did a summer at Morgan Stanley, did a spring at Goldwyn, but primarily J.P. Morgan. Went to Columbia undergrad, studied history and econ, while at Columbia my senior year ended up working. So I got my offer from J.P. Morgan after my sophomore year. And the pretense was that 
I've been working every summer since 15. Let me take a break oh. before I come in and hop in as an analyst and get this grind off. Yeah. So was going to take a summer off. Ended up having some of the analysts on the desk I was going to leave. And so they needed some extra help. So rather than taking a summer off, I actually ended up working the summer and working all through my senior year at Columbia. Which is a pivotal Full time. Week, just part-time after class. So I go to class in the morning, go to the trading floor in the afternoon. Right. Oh my God. Uh, and so it was a lot of work. I mean, my grades got hit for sure, but... <laughs> Flip side was I had a little bit of cash. I was a senior in college, which means we had a real good time. <laughs> Big <laughs> bank. Oh man, we we uh we we had a good time for sure. But in working like that with J.P. Morgan, showing a commitment to the firm, coming in every day after class, and they ended up doing full days on Fridays, they ended up moving me to London immediately after undergrad. And so okay. uh, analyst class of over 100 analysts, and I was the only one to immediately receive overseas placement, which was dope. Completely different experience, changed my life. Spent three years in London working on the commodities trading floor. I really enjoyed it, learned a lot. I'd say the transition was harder than I expected. Like you would think two Western English speaking, relatively liberal countries would be pretty similar in big cities, but mm -hmm. the culture shock was there. Overall, had a fantastic experience, met my wife out there, met some great okay. friends out there. Ultimately though, chose to pivot from finance. Again, mentioned I've been in there for a long time, but I was seeing increased regulation, increased competition, increased automation, shrinking client size, shrinking death size. And so a lot of those weren't necessarily great long-term indicators of what a career in finance could look like. So chose to pivot in my career, which is obviously why I'm here. We'll be talking about this chose yeah, to my career and applied to, to business school and then I'm going to B-School. Awesome. Why did you want to use business school as the avenue to pivot? Yeah, it's a great question. I think more than anything else, I knew that I wanted a pretty radical pivot. I wasn't sure what that pivot would be, but I wanted a pretty radical pivot. And I saw an MBA as the opportunity to go back into the applicant pool, get a graduate degree that could have a wide range of applications, and then uh, to try a few things out during that time and figure out where is the right next step for me. Got it. Awesome. And I know that you went to Harvard, you went to Harvard Business School. Mm -hmm. How important do you think Harvard was in making that pivot? I think Harvard was crucial in making that pivot. So it was, again, Chief Morgan before grad school, worked at Disney during my internship, and then went into Activision and gaming afterwards and spent time in corporate roles and in dev roles. But a lot of what I did in, call it, year two and beyond within gaming were things that you didn't really see a lot of folks coming from finance in. Like, so typically MBAs, you might see them in like corporate strategy roles or biz dev type roles, but I spent a lot of time actually on the dev team. And so I think Harvard played a big role in that and that it helped to validate that I had ability, that I was ambitious, that I was hardworking. And so Harvard allowed me to create a brand and to create a network that opened up doors and, and created opportunities for me that I may not have had otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. And so still, like, when that door is open for you, you still have to walk through, you still have to deliver on the expectations. Uh, but I do think that having such a prestigious degree and having that network to kind of help guide me through those early steps absolutely facilitated that pivot and facilitated me having those opportunities. Awesome. Wow. So you went from finance, like econ, foundation, mm -hmm. to finance. And then eventually from business school, decided to go into gaming. Why did you decide to go into the gaming industry in particular? Yeah, absolutely. So I did my internship at Disney and digital strategy with a guy named Sahan Sapurnia, great boss. And so during that time, I really was able to identify my love of entertainment, right? 
Um, I grew up playing video games, playing board games, loving movies, loving TV shows, loving novels across. So like entertainment's always been I've been passionate about. And there's been a lot of cool things going on within entertainment over the last five years. A lot more big names going direct to consumer, the growth of esports, the hyper focus on these big entertainment companies owning their own brands, right? Versus licensing them out. And so as this space was growing and there's a lot of focus on it, Disney helped me to see that there was a space for me to pursue my passion while also pursuing a very successful and potentially lucrative career, right? But Disney, with them celebrating their 100 a year anniversary this year, they were a bit more of a blue chip kind of stock, a bit more risk averse. And so for me, being young, hungry, excited, passionate, Disney didn't necessarily feel like the right place for me at that time. And so I ended up at Activision because Activision was very much focused on being direct to consumer. Activision owns all of its biggest brands. Activision was investing heavily in esports at that time. And as a gamer growing up and loving Call of Duty, loving shooters, it felt a great place for me to be. Additionally, when I joined Activision, they were doing a rotational program, right? And so uh, I was new to the space, didn't know a lot about what the different functions are within gaming. And so this rotational program allowed me to figure out what's what, where I could fit in, what would I be passionate about, what fit my skill set. And then that really set up my career and, and set me up for where I am right now. Very nice. Now, I think that you've done an excellent job of explaining to us like why you made the pivot and how you've done it. But Talk to me a little bit about like your focus. Was the focus more so, I want to get into gaming, I'm not sure what function, or did you have an inkling that you wanted to go into product management and try to see if there was a way to fit that in from a game? Yeah, example? so I would say the first step for me was identifying the industry and then the sub-industry. So entertainment, loved it than gaming because of the opportunities and my passion for gaming and just the growth we were seeing in gaming, right? And from there, I did a rotation in invest relations that leveraged my background in finance. I understood how to read sell side reports and knew how to talk to hedge funds and leveraged that existing understanding of just how business is done to learn more about gaming. So I was reading sell side reports I was familiar with, but about a new industry. So I learned a lot about live ops and live services. A lot of investors, a lot of our competitors were very much talking about live services. Could you explain to us a little bit about live yeah, services? Yeah, so live services, that's the area of a game that supports the game after it launches. So historically, like if you remember back in the day, you buy a disc, you buy a cartridge, you blow on it, slam it into the console, play some, <laughs> you play some Super Mario or play some Mario Kart. I was there. And so historically, mm -hmm. like you just buy the game and whatever you got on the disc or the cartridge was all you could play, right? But with the proliferation of high-speed internet, you're actually seeing more games delivering more content to players over time. You're seeing updates, whether they be free or paid, delivered to players over months and years and keeping that game alive. One of the prime examples is Grand Theft Auto V that's outlasted the entire PS4, right? It launched on the PS3, mm -hmm. kept getting updates mm -hmm. all through the PS4 and has now continued to get updates on the PS5. So live ops and live services, that is the, the the part of the business that focuses on sustaining a game, both through engaging players and monetizing them after the game is live. Mm -hmm. So that's the that big growth driver within the industry. A lot of focus, most of mobile gaming is live services. Got yeah. So identified that, great opportunity, and then just really honed in on ways I could differentiate myself and like find opportunities within live services. And that's what I've been doing the last five years. Cool. Now, I think that this brings something up that's really interesting, especially when you're talking about reading sell-side mm -hmm. reports. 
there's seemingly not a lot of linkages between finance and gaming, but it sounds like to make that pivot that you almost relied mainly on econ and finance experience to give yourself an edge and being able to understand and uh, dissect. Exactly. Did a rotational program at Activision. And the first one, as I mentioned, was all in investor relations. And a lot of what I was doing is like looking through sell side models, right? Looking at how they projected Call of Duty revenues over the next two to three years, looking at how they projected our cost basis, looking at how they talked about the industry, right? Again, having read sell side reports for over a decade at this point, I knew that side of the business, but now just using these tools that I've learned of reading these reports to apply it to gaming. Um, it, it absolutely was leaning into my comfort zone, which is finance in the heart of the world to learn something new, which was gaming. And it worked out well. Yeah, that's definitely really helpful. And like you said before, if the opportunity can be there, the door could be open for you, but you have to yeah. walk through it. Obviously, it sounds like using your educational and work background were important in making that pivot. But what are some other resources that you utilized? I'd say network is vital. Every step of the way in my career, there have been not one, not two, but many people have helped me along the way. I always yeah. try to reaffirm that to people because I think you see people do extraordinary things and they focus on how they did it themselves and it can make it feel inaccessible, mm -hmm. right? When And all of the most successful people that you see out there, they are hardworking, they're often very smart, but they also got a lot of help along the way. I always want to reaffirm that I try to do my best when an opportunity is presented to me, but there have been countless people who've helped me get to where I am, whether they be mentoring me, whether they make introductions for me, whether they give me advice and help me edit my essays or help me prepare for an interview. I would absolutely say lean into your network and exhaust it as you pursue opportunities. It's not just about being smart. It's not just about being hardworking. You're going to need help along the way. So I'd say the network yep. is key. Also, honestly, the passion, being a big gamer growing up, like being able to tap into that has helped me tremendously. I play games for fun. I watch games for fun. That pays dividends when I'm talking about decisions that Apex is making or Call of Duty is making or how these ecosystems are evolving because I'm reading about these things for fun and can apply those learnings to my day-to-day my -day job. Definitely very helpful. In your career, what would you say makes the gaming industry so special to you personally? Number one, I know you mentioned that you've always been a big gamer, but working in the industry, a lot of times folks will say that sometimes you don't want to mix your passion with mm -hmm. what pays you, right? So what would you say has really made it special for you and made you continue to want to grow and excel in the industry? And then also wanted to ask you about gaming just overall I know that you said that you're interested in entertainment but what are your thoughts on how gaming will grow as a form of entertainment do you think that it will supersede most mm -hmm. other forms on the first question like I haven't had too many concerns about mixing the business with pleasure there's some extent of like where the, the lines get blurred where it's like am I doing this for fun or like am I doing this to better my job like it's harder mm -hmm. to turn off that product manager lens um, when you're just playing for fun but like gaming it has a lot of positive applications to day-to-day -day life. One is you can learn a lot of cool stories and hearing stories about other types of people can help build empathy, can help to build understanding. It can help expose you to new ideas, new cultures, new ways of thinking. So I think that's really cool because it's so immersive. It's uniquely immersive relative to novels or TV or movies or like operas. It's like you are actively playing the part of, of a character in this narrative. And so I think that's really cool. Additionally, with live services like in high-speed internet, like 
be able to connect with people even more than ever before, right? So I play games all the time with my brother. I play games with friends that I are hundreds, if not thousands of miles away. Especially during COVID, it just provides a new avenue for for connectivity. I think it's really special, and pretty powerful. But to your point of where gaming is going in the future, I mean, I absolutely think that it's going to continue to grow and more than gaming superseding other forms of entertainment, I actually think we might see more of a convergence of media types where mm. you start to see movies become more interactive, right? And so you're starting to see this a little bit more with a couple of shows on Netflix. They had one choose your own adventure show on Netflix, uh, Kaleidoscope. And yet Kaleidoscope as well, where you choose the ordering of the episode. And so there's this kind of mm -hmm. interactivity that's coming into it. I mean, you saw with Goosebumps back in the day, nothing new under the sun. But um, I do think that as you have, and some kind of get deep in the weeds here, but as you have tools that make it easier and cheaper to develop interactive content, I think it's going to open the doors for more like interactive movies or more choose your own adventure type experiences that start to blur the lines even more between movies okay. and TV shows or TV shows and games. So I'm really excited about that. And I think that will continue to grow and continue to offer deeply immersive experiences that people will want to spend more and more time in. Very dope. Now, I want to know a little bit more about some advice that you would give yourself. I always like to look at it from two different lenses, from the pre-pivot lens and then the post-pivot lens. Knowing all you know now and what you continue to learn, what advice would you give yeah. yourself? Pre-pivot, I would say don't get caught up in the fads, like to focus on what your goals are, focus on what my goals are at the time, right? And it really takes some time to identify what I want to do and why. I think that whether it be in finance or in grad school, you always have like what's like the cool, sexy thing to do. And it's easy to get caught up in that. Like we're all competitive. I want to be the best. We all want to be able to show off. And so it's easy to get caught up in what everyone else is talking about. But I think in doing so, you're not being true to yourself and you're doing yourself a disservice because you're not tapping into what you're truly passionate about. And so if I was talking to the younger me, I'd say, take the time to figure out what's important to you. Take the time to figure out what your career goals are and then go after those versus going after what others are telling you that may or may not be worth pursuing. So that's pre-pivot, Quinn. Post-pivot, and this is stuff I'm telling myself all the time right now, is to focus on the long term. I think it's very easy, especially if you're hyper-motivated and you're really ambitious to get caught up in the minutia. And so like you have a, a bad day at work or even a good day at work and, and you can get overexcited over down yourself based on this one small step when in actuality if your goals really are as ambitious as I'd hope that most people's would be this minor step is important but it's one of many and so don't get too caught up like don't get too caught up on the lows if you have a bit of a bad day and also don't big yourself up too much on the highs like remember okay let's take this win enjoy this win like celebrate this win but also remember we got to keep grinding for these super ambitious long-term goals so as I continue to kind of try to coach myself and talk to myself at this point in my career, it's like, don't beat yourself up too much on the little stumbles, but also like maintain that humility when we have those wins, because where we're trying to go is so much further than where we are right now. I love that. I love that. That's all super great advice, both the pre of just like making sure that you kind of let information come in, but maintain a certain amount of tunnel exactly. vision, just knowing what you're passionate about exactly. and what your true interests are. And then from the post standpoint, looking at what happens in the quarter or what happens over the course of a year, three years, five exactly. years, what's next? What are you excited about? Is there anything that is like really getting you completely excited and motivated for each day, each month, yeah. each quarter? Year? Man, I I'm loving gaming right now. Like I was talking to my wife about this the other day that like we said, okay, like what's next? Like, how are you thinking about the next few years? Like, do you, are you enjoying gaming? Do you potentially want to go back into finance or maybe like 
VC for gaming or something like that. But like, I'm enjoying being a product manager. I'm enjoying really getting my hands dirty. I think there are so many opportunities coming down the pipe in gaming. I think we're seeing a minor yeah. correction right now. And I think that could last for a little, little while. But I think coming out on the other side, there's just so many new studios that are popping up. Not all of them will survive, but I think a lot of them are going to do really cool things that could continue to change the industry. I think there's a lot of technologies being developed that will continue to change how people go about playing games. I mean, they announced mm -hmm. uh, Discord being available on PlayStation, which is a new level of connectivity. Right. You already had cross-play, but now you can chat through Discord with your friends on Xbox or PC. And so the connectivity right. being enabled by games, the new types of stories being enabled by games, the ways that you can create just deeply immersive experiences, like all of that I find to be really exciting. So right now, let's just continue to learn. Only five years into the space, I'm so pretty young and just trying to figure out what's what, right? Like, what should I be focusing on? Where are the new frontiers? What's just a fad that will phase out pretty quickly? The where I'm at right now is exciting. And in terms of what's next, I'd love to continue to double down on my strengths, which are like the, the, the intersection between business acumen and business understanding and an appreciation for the dev process. Uh, there are not many folks who have that set of skills and I think it'll continue to be valuable in trying to find new ways of using those skills to enable game developers to just create cool stuff. That's absolutely exciting and I couldn't agree more with the space of just the connectivity that is intertwined with it and then just the building of community that comes with that makes sense why you're able to get more eyeballs, you're able to get people more screen mm -hmm. time and it feels like a much more immersive, bigger part of your life. I couldn't agree more for sure. Now, I wanted you to leave us with some parting words of wisdom, but I wanted you to mainly focus on folks who are interested in pivoting into product management, interested in pivoting into gaming. What are some parting words of wisdom that you would give as folks are considering these pivots, embarking on these pivots? Yeah, first I would say is focus on the long game. It's becoming more competitive, right? So it's going to be really important to focus on getting opportunities that allow you to achieve your long-term goals. When I made my pivot into product management, I was the first PM at Treyarch and helped them to build up the PM function. I came in more junior than a lot of my peers were getting job offers for. My compensation was lower than a lot of my peers were in the beginning. And so at the time, there was some like self-doubt or like, oh, should I be like, is this the right move? Should I be doing this? But I understood that, again, because I was the first one, I was getting experiences and opportunities that no one else was getting at that time, which was a huge differentiator. I'd say mm -hmm. focus on the long term, focus on the attributes of an opportunity that best enable your long-term goals, right? And so early on, that means you're probably not going to maximize for title, you're not going to optimize for compensation, but hopefully you are optimizing for experiences, you're optimizing for a brand that will set you up for long-term success. You are optimizing for a boss that will invest in you. You're optimizing for a workplace that allows you to do your best work and allows you to grow very quickly. Think about those long-term goals as you make those decisions. And there could be some short-term pains again with compensation or title or other things that feel a little bit uncomfortable at the time, but that just makes it so much sweeter once you really start to achieve what you can achieve when you focus on those long-term goals. So that's the first word of wisdom. Uh, I'd say the next one would be the importance of of relationships and reputation. I want to say Jamie Dimon said this, but your reputation takes years and years to build, but only minutes to destroy. And I'd say that's super important in a place like gaming, in a place where uh, everyone knows everyone, right? I, I had a call with a guy earlier today that I met at a networking event. Now we're good buddies. I'm giving him some career advice. He's talking to you about opportunities and how to think about them. He's someone I've only met a couple of times before, but because we've heard so many positive things about each other, we connected instantly and were able to grow our network just due to the interconnected nature of our networks in, in, in the space, right? I spoke to someone. You, you, you hit me up afterwards you. as well. Yep. Yeah. In the space. Exactly. 
And so within gaming, right, like a phone call or two away from me getting to know like any team, any person, any manager. And so as you think about your long-term goals, the reputation you build is not only about the work you do and how smart you are, it's about the kind of person you are, right? How do you make people feel? Um, how do you work with others? And so really keep that in mind. There have been countless times where I've seen people who are fully capable get burned because they burn someone else along the way, or they have a reputation that they're not someone that people enjoy working with. This is very much a people business, right? There are a lot of people who are very much just about the passion of the game and who just enjoy making the game itself, right? There's more to the industry than just optimizing for money or players. As you think about that, you want to really just try to make sure that you're, you're thinking about the relationships and how you're connecting with people along the way. Um, I think that's vital to your success in any industry, but especially one as small and as insular as gaming. Well, there you have it, y'all. Quinn, thank you so much for happy sharing your wisdom you. with thank us. Thank you for having me and always happy to help out. Thank you all for tuning in. Please remember to like and subscribe for more. Most important, pivot powerfully. Be well, everyone.